0: 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, streaming countrywide. On the Prime Media Plus ad. DSTV Channel 856-92.7 and 106FM.
1: On the show today, Durko criticises the Nigerian High Commission for creating unnecessary tension as Bafana take on the Super Eagles tonight. The presidency gives an update ahead of tomorrow's Sona. Is youth unemployment a priority for the 2024 elections? Metro Rail up and running after suspending operations in the Western Cape this morning and a heatwave for Gauteng. All of this over the next hour.
0: 702. Let's walk the talk.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you again today, coming to you live from our studios in Cape Town, ahead of the State of the Nation address tomorrow. Still lots of activity, lots of build-up here. The mining in Darba underway in Cape Town. So a lot of attention uh, and a lot of just atmosphere and and vibe happening. Uh, Very busy news week. Uh, But of course, a lot of focus today is on what's going to happen tonight between Bafana Bafana and the Super Eagles in the semi-final of AFCON. That game kicks off at 7 o'clock. Clement uh, gave us our prediction on 7.02. If you want to give one, you're welcome to. But the the angle we're looking at right now is the fact that Durko, the International Relations Department, has criticised the Nigerian High Commission for causing alarm and tension ahead of that match tonight because in a statement, the Nigerian Embassy has cautioned Nigerian football fans living in South Africa to refrain from riotous or provocative celebrations should their team emerge victorious tonight. Uh, Also saying they should be careful about where they choose to watch the game tonight as well. And international relations is saying... This is causing unnecessary alarm. Clayson Moniela is the head of diplomacy, spokesperson for DURCO. Clayson, good afternoon to you. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, You've tweeted in response to this uh, statement saying it's very unfortunate and regrettable. I must say, when I first saw the statement, I actually doubted the veracity of it. Uh, is, Is this a genuine statement from the Nigerian government? Okay, Clayson, I think you're talking, but I can't hear you. So it may be an issue that we have with our lines between Joburg and Cape Town. So we're just going to try and sort that out and get you back up and make sure that we can hear from you. But just to say what Clayson... Uh, did tweet is this is a very unfortunate and regrettable statement issued by our Nigerian friends. It creates unnecessary alarm and tension. Bafana Bafana have played the super eagles many times. There's no history of soccer hooliganism associated with the outcome of such encounters. and you're there. I can hear you. Hey, Mandy, how are you? Good. Thank you. Sorry about that. We just sorted out some, uh, some technical issues. Um yeah. so, So I was asking you the question about whether or not this is a genuine, authentic statement from the Nigerian government.
2: Yeah, so initially we also thought uh, this was just social media uh, banter. And uh, we were quite surprised that it got the attention and the traction that it got. So we then sought to confirm whether this is a legit statement or one of those big things that happens on social media. It turned out that it was actually a legit statement. It was confirmed that it had in fact been issued by the Nigerian High Commission, which we thought was a uh, very regrettable uh, and very unfortunate because, uh, Clayton, you still
1: there? Oh, I think we've unfortunately lost the line to Clayson. Uh, Gremlins in our system today. He was loud and clear. So we're going to get him back on again. So we've worked out that the statement is authentic. It is genuine. So there is veracity. And of course, the concern now is um, why the statement was issued and how does that impact on diplomatic relations? Can you believe we're actually having this conversation? We were joking about it earlier in the week that there, there's going to be tension between the Nigerians living in South Africa. Ah, Clayson, you're back again.
2: I don't know what's happening today with the lions, it's, eh?
1: It's not you. it's it's us it's, <laughs> don't, don't don't blame yourself. It's us, Clason.
3: ok. <laughs> so all.
1: you were telling us about the fact that this is now genuine and authentic. So this is very concerning. Why would they do this? because there is no history of hooliganism between these two countries?
2: Then that's the point we're making in our statement that uh, Bafana Bafana have played the super eagles many times before. Whether the result went in our favor or in the favor of Nigeria, South Africans never react with violence. There's no history of soccer hooliganism in this country. So we don't understand why a statement like this would be issued. We certainly don't share their apprehension. And that's why we issued that statement. It's quite unfortunate and regrettable, but we are taking it up. We will be reaching out to them through diplomatic channels to have a conversation to say this sort of thing is not helpful. There's no need to cause alarm and unnecessary tension. These two countries have a history of warm, cordial relations. Two of the biggest giants on the continent, politically and economically. We do well when we work together and cooperate together as brothers. This continent moves forward, so we should minimize the extent to which alarm and unnecessary tension is created.
1: Are you concerned at all um, in an environment where there may be potential xenophobia, um, emotions do run high around uh, football, that there, there could be some kind of incident um, if Nigeria hypothetically, I mean, we don't think it's going to happen, but if Nigeria <laughs> does, does win?
2: No absolutely not. Uh, we 've lost some big games as South Africa is Bafana Bafana before uh, South Africa is a sport loving nation but we 're also a very peaceful nation. Uh, we understand the role that sports plays. Uh, in enhancing people-to-people contact and social cohesion. But we never react with violence, whether we win or lose. So we look forward to the game uh, with Nigeria. And whether they win or we lose, nothing will happen of that uh, sort where you know there will be violent reactions. We don't expect that. There's no history of that. And there's no need for anybody to even suggest that that sort of thing Mm -hmm. is possible. So that's the conversation we're going to be having with our Nigerian friends, that uh, these two countries do well when we work together and we should continue with that spirit of the warm and cordial relations that are currently exist.
1: Look, Clayson, I understand this isn't your area of expertise, um,
2: but can you give me a prediction, please? We're definitely winning this. There's no doubt. Have you seen how we've been playing up until now? Don't worry. This is in the bag.
1: Spoken like a true politician, Clayson. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and your patience with our technical issues. Uh, Clayson Muniela, the spokesperson for International Relations, speaking to us there. I'd love to hear from you. What do you think about this? I know some of it is tongue-in-cheek and we say it in jest, but do you think there is a legitimate concern here from the Nigerian uh, government that they're saying, be careful where you go and watch the game to the Nigerian citizens. They're saying be careful how you celebrate. Don't uh, do anything that, uh, that could be um, could instigate in any way. Uh, so send us a WhatsApp voice note, 72 702
0: 702-702. Mandy Weena. Weekdays 12 to 1 PM.
1: Well, let's speak to somebody now whose area of expertise it is to give us analysis on uh, big football games. Tsepang Malouane is the senior reporter at Laduma joining us now. Tsepang, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, looking ahead to tonight's game, I think the the big headline at the moment is the fact that Victor Osimen uh, looks like a, a major doubt for the Nigerians tonight.
4: Um, Good afternoon, Mandy, and uh, good afternoon to the listeners. Yeah, I mean, that is obviously... Big, um especially for us as as, as Bafana, Bafana because he is a very important player for for Nigeria hasn't been scoring as much as your look uh, the lookman guy in the, in the team but he is someone that definitely makes an impact and without him it makes it maybe not a bit easier for us because there will still be um, a threat to us but it makes it it, it, it better in a way for, for Bafana, Bafana to plan and make sure that they get through.
1: What are your expectations around how Bufana needs to perform? We've been very solid, very consistent. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what, do we, what do we need to do tonight to overcome the Super Eagles?
4: For me, it, it's to keep playing the way they've been playing. Don't change your mentality. Um, you, you know, sometimes because things are going well, you, you get a little bit too excited and you want to start making changes here and there. For me, it's about staying and doing the same thing that you've been throwing out uh, throughout the competition because it's been working. I mean, we look you look at how we fought against Morocco, managed to get through with that fighting spirit, same as, as as against Cape Verde. They gave us a tough time, but we fought through. So we need to do the same against Nigeria. We need to go there believing that we're going to win, not taking them lightly, uh, and make sure that we have that same fighting spirit um, to get through to the final. It's not going to be easy, obviously, but we've shown that we can deal with difficult times we can weather the storm when teams are attacking us. And I like that about Bafana Bafana these days, because at times before we couldn't weather the storm, you know, we we would buckle under pressure. Mm. And now, now we are doing well to make sure that we keep fighting and never give up. And that's what I want to see in this game.
1: Aside from the the patriotism and, and the emotions, obviously we we're all hoping that that we win tonight. What what do we need to look out for in terms of this Nigerian team? Um, they do um, obviously probably won't have the Napoli striker, um, mm-hmm. but what what other strengths do they have that we need to watch?
4: They they possess a lot of pace, especially on the wings. You look at a guy like Moses Simon, uh, a big threat going forward, and he's a type that. You know, can eliminate players, and, and especially because he plays on the left with the right foot, can cut into play, and you know, make life difficult for us. But we've got a Kulisomadao who's got a good engine on him, and can probably um, nullify him um, throughout the ninety minutes. And um, there's also Lukman who's scored, I think, three goals in the competition so far. He's also a threat because um, he gets into very good spaces into the box, and if you don't look out for him, um, he's the type that can punish you. So they've got a lot of pace. Um, also in the middle of the park, very strong. So our guys in the midfield, Debo and Setole, have to be very solid. Our fullbacks have to be solid tonight. And I like how our central defenders have been playing. Um, Mbala and um they've been doing so well. And they just need to make sure that they win everything in the air as well because they can be a threat in the air because they've got big bodies and very powerful.
1: Tepang, thank you so much for that analysis. Uh, Tepang Malawane, the senior reporter at La Duma, speaking to us there. Look, I'm happy to take your predictions. Um, try and, and uh, take the, the emotion out of it if you can. Um, but also, just a response to what we were discussing with Clayson and Manuela. Uh, Send us a WhatsApp voice note. You can tweet me as well.
0: What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702.
5: Hi, Mandy.
0: You know, this South Africa-Nigeria
5: thing is really just a storm in a teacup, uh, one. Um, Secondly, Nigeria beat us the last time we were playing in the last AFCON in 2019, Uh, and there were no issues. Um, Me thinks that they are just preparing themselves for a loss. They know they're going to lose now they want to come up with excuses damn good morning mindy this is Sim. what the nigerian high commissioner has said doesn't come as a surprise because everybody knows that here in south africa you can do as you wish you can see whatever you want you can do all you that you want they know that our government is fast asleep that there's no consequences if it was in another country this nigerian high commissioner would have never said such things. Because they know that they'll be held to pee. but here yes, South Africa, our, our government is unpatriotic. They are fast sleep is all about them. That's why the Nigerian High Commissioner was able to release such a statement.
1: Thank you very much. WhatsApp voice notes. Look, I genuinely thought that this was not real. That I, that this was a a, a fake s- statement because it just it sounded like. Crazy, right? Um, and this is the point that Clayson Manilla was making: was that we have lost to Bafana. Uh, Bafana have lost in Nigeria before, so why is this an issue now? Maybe there is a climate um, of more tension. Um, I don't see how that's escalated over the past four years, but uh, maybe there is a, a concern, or maybe there is just this idea of lawlessness and that nothing will will happen. So I, I do hear that argument as well. As well, I look forward to hearing more of your WhatsApp voice notes on this issue.
0: The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk.
1: To the courts now and the Senzo Miyiwa trial, it is the episode today of the soap opera that continues every single day. The trial within a trial continuing. Uh, The accused, Muzi Sabia, back on the witness stand. He has made some critical concessions. So let's find out about that. The second accused also um, going to be on the stand, Bongani Ntanzi. Komatsu Modise, EWN reporter, following that for us. Komatsu, where are we today?
6: Mandy, I love how you call it a soap opera because that's exactly what it feels like here at the Pretoria High Court. And you've got a front what row
1: seat, right? So I always talk about this: how I feel like trials <laughs> are soap operas, and you have members of the public who come sit in the gallery, and every day is the <laughs> next instalment, and that's exactly what this trial feels like. That's exactly what's unfolding in the Pretoria High Court. Some days are faster and seems to be making a lot more
6: progress. Some days are slower, and I think today is one of the slower days as um, the State Prosecutor, Advocate Bronispa, continues with his cross-examination of the media. A lot of questions that were asked today, um, you know, seem to be just a rephrased version of questions that were asked yesterday, and we've heard judge, like, some actually at some point saying, you know, Advocate, yeah, um, or Advocate Banda, I should say, that um, this continues with big progress, you can leave that for arguments. And I think it's important to note that, you know, um, the judge has been saying that, because He's been known to say that's the defence when the defence seems to just be um, either moving in circles or not making a lot of progress. So it was worth noting when um, the judge you know, said that to stand. But I think those critical con- concessions are really what encapsulate uh, this uh, concession uh, or this uh, testimony rather by Sibuya. In that, you know, the initial version before the court, Maggie, was that the said or his lawyers had said, I put it to witnesses that when he arrived at the to the station on the 30th of may 2020 he was beaten there and after his assault the colonel who took his uh, statement that uh colonel Lomboto, came in with an already written confession statement and told him to sign and he was told that if he doesn't sign, the beating the assault and the torture would continue yesterday he said something that was very different and it's an introduction of another version from him that in fact, while he was there with Senor Mboto, Mboto was writing as he spoke. Now, that's important because then it, it it, that covers what an interview is here. And the, the, the defense has kept on saying, well, the version that was brought by the defense was that there was never an interview. He was just told to sign. Yesterday, however, he has made that that, that important confession. And today, he's continuing really with, you know, how um, his lawyers had been speaking He couldn't correct them at every point, and so that's why he's come onto the stand to correct the version himself. And that's really difficult and tricky because we know, Mandy, that he's been given—he gave the mandate to the lawyers, and he's been consulting with the lawyers. The court had been giving him time to consult. The court had been allowing his lawyers to ask him to correct the version as they cross-examined witnesses. And so, you know, he cannot just come onto the witness stand and distance himself Somebody's lawyers have been arguing or his lawyers have been submitting in court over the last few weeks. We do think we're going to close though with um, Samiya on the stand right. and after that we'll be getting the
1: writing down to the witness stand. Komatsu with today's installment of the days of Senzo Miwa's trial. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, not to minimize it at all, but it does very much feel like uh, it is an ongoing saga, soap opera there in the High Court.
0: 702. 702. Mandy Weena. Weekdays 12 to 1 p.m.
1: So yesterday, uh, we did tell you that we were awaiting judgment on that Western Cape High Court matter uh, involving the EFF's urgent application for an interim interdict to prevent Parliament from implementing its new rules. Um, And we did have judgment in that, but there's a separate matter now regarding Julius Malema specifically, and we're expecting judgment in that today. Let's just try and uh, make sure that we understand these different issues with Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter. So Babalo, just explain to us. We did have a decision yesterday on one matter but the one that you're waiting for today is a different matter right
7: yes that's correct mandy so it's completely two different matters that are you know related in a way but they're completely separate cases and separate applications um, dealing with separate matters the one that is outstanding or still pending is related to the suspension of the eff that's six mps including julius and floyd shivambu as well as the current spokesperson and the former spokesperson, uh, and we, we say,ing closely as well is part of that, you know, um, group of MPs. So that is, and the judge, um, Judge Kate Savage, um, said yesterday, you know, at the end of the hearing that you know she will make a a ruling, um before ten a.m. on Thursday, and um, so it's either today or she will, you know, maybe go and do it tomorrow. We don't know yet. But I suspect that ruling might happen early tomorrow or late today, Mandy. And we'll only know at that point whether, you know, Julius Malema will be able to attend Sona. But as we stand, he's already under suspension. It's kicked off the, on the first of the month. They are already under suspension. And, but they what, what they want is an urgent application to suspend, you know, the further implementation of the sanction, which there's an additional sanction of to make an apology in the house, so that's also that sanction that is also sitting with the EFF. So the arguments yesterday were really that um, the ANC's majority in the National Assembly, you know, is 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 quite detrimental to the EFF constitutionally, as you know, this they use this power and they use this power, you know, um, basically unlawfully, Mandy, to basically take um or deal with their political opponents. Um, but Parliament argued that, you no know, these rules or whatever is implemented by Parliament when it comes to disorderly conduct, you know, applies to everyone. And there's nothing, you know, that's specifically targeting the EFF MPs. And mm. um, so that's where we are at the moment. We're just waiting for the court to make its final ruling, which is really the one outstanding ruling before tomorrow's SONA, which is related to the EFF mandate.
1: So there is still a tiny little chance that Julius Malema's suit uh, needs to be ready in time for tomorrow night. Well, by
7: suit, I mean red overall, really. Um, Yes, indeed. There's always a chance, Mandy. But, you know, if you look at yesterday's judgment, which is related to the rules specifically that will come into effect for the first time, you know, the judge did, you know, make it quite clear on this issue that Parliament has been arguing quite, um, you know, um, vehemently in the court, which is the separation of powers, and she actually mentions this in in her order, which was against the EFF, which you know also came with a costs order, and she said that the separation of powers is very important in this regard, mm. and we need to be careful and be mindful that you know each arm of state does not you know usurp
8: the
6: mm. power
7: of another arm of state. So if you look at, at that judgment, you know, and with the fact that this is also a parliamentary matter, um, um, you might. Take take a guess on which way it might go. Around. Right.
1: Babalo, thank you. Babalo and Denzel, EWN reporter. So we're waiting for that judgment. It may only come early tomorrow morning.
3: What's up,
0: Mandy? On 072 702
3: 1702. Good day, Mandy. The warning by the Nigeria's commission is regrettable and causes unnecessary tension. If this is a practice, it means we must also issue a warning to the South Africans living in Nigeria. I'm a Mamloji Sundance fan, and over the years, my team has attracted a lot of support across uh, the African continent. So does this mean we must issue a warning to our Egyptian fans when we play against Al-Ali, or to our Congolese fans when we play against Chippy Mazembe? This is madness. Legion in Swan. Thank you.
9: Good afternoon, Mandy. here. You know, Mandy, regardless of the rhetoric from um, the likes of Tutula and the Patriotic Alliance and so forth, the overwhelming majority of South Africans have clearly demonstrated they are not a xenophobic people. So, for the Nigerians to come out and make such irresponsible statements, for me, shows a willing, a lack of will to have social cohesion. Hi Mandy, um, with regards to the Nigerian uh, Commission that made that statement, perhaps um, they have intelligence
4: and it's working and they know something that we don't and so that's why
3: they put out that statement and so maybe just maybe they know something that we don't. It's a
1: Thank you very much for all of those views. In case you missed it earlier, the um, uh, in a statement, the Nigerian embassy has cautioned Nigerian football fans living in South Africa to refrain from riotous or provocative celebrations if they win tonight. Um, also saying it issued the warning following veiled threats by South Africans... Online And also they should be careful about choosing their viewing locations. Of course, Durko has responded to this, saying that it's causing unnecessary alarm and panic. So lots of reaction. Look, um, and I think it's naive to suggest that maybe other nationalities do not have that same kind of relationship with South Africans. I think that maybe there is a level of tension. But to suggest that it could result in some kind of xenophobic incident because of, a, of the football, I think, is, is far-fetched. And I think it does cause unnecessary panic. But um, I suppose it is responding to messaging from Action SA, from Dudula uh, around these issues. But uh, I, I don't think that it would be a football game that would necessarily result in this. Um, but uh, continue sending those WhatsApp voice notes. Let me know what you think.
0: 702. 70- Mandy Weena, weekdays 12 to 1 p.m.
1: Well, let's get an update on the situation now with Metro Rail because its uh, services were suspended in the uh, Cape earlier today uh, because of vandalism of infrastructure in the Tigerberg area. So commuters were experiencing delays. The service is now back up and running. Raymond Maseko is the acting regional manager for Prasa. Raymond, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. What is the current status of your service?
3: Uh, good afternoon, Mandy, and good afternoon to your listeners as well. Uh, we have uh, recovered the services in terms of the, the the area of the breakage, in terms of fiber. We have spliced that, and we also had uh, some of the power cables that were cut that we have repaired. So when the commuters are coming back in the afternoon, they would then experience a normal service. Uh,
1: tell us about uh, the extent of the disruption this morning.
3: Um we, the communication uh, wires that keep um, our control center in Belleville and Cape Town Station uh, in contact were cut this morning at Tiger Park, and that uh, then really disrupted the entire service. The best you can run is a shuttle service between, uh, let's say, Fish Hook or all the way to Salt River. We are unable to get into Cape Town Station because the controllers that are controlling the trains can't see what is happening in Cape Town. So it was really, really a, a huge disruptive, uh, a disruptive action in the morning.
1: And to be clear, services this afternoon, people shouldn't expect any
3: disruptions. No, this afternoon people shouldn't accept any disruption, but from Brussels side, we, we wish to really apologize for the inconvenience. Uh, it is a criminal action that got us here. Uh, however, we are also working on our resiliency, in order to be a a little bit uh, um, more prepared Um, uh, like everybody else i can't keep coming to the radio station and telling you that uh, load shedding is impacting me i've put plans in place to deal with matters like that so we are also doing a similar exercise to ensure that um, when somebody cuts we have different backup systems uh, that we are building
1: Raymond, thank you, I appreciate that Raymond Maserko, the acting regional manager for PRASA, giving that explanation apologising and saying that they are putting those measures in place um, and if you were affected by that earlier today in the Western Cape because of the vandalism at Metro Rail, tell us about that and whether um, you're you're okay with uh, with that explanation uh, but you shouldn't expect any delays this afternoon
0: 702 The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener Let's walk the talk
1: at the moment, happening right now at the Mbizo Media Centre in Parliament, the president, presidential spokesperson, Vincent Maguena, is giving an update to the media about the uh, president's public programme, also speaking about Sona, of course, and the elections. Let's listen in to what he is saying.
5: Of Backlash, if you like, that's aimed at South Africa uh, as a result of this ICJ um, matter. And we anticipate that we will see more. I mean, one I saw was um, alleging that the case was funded by the governing party and yet government is always involved in some form of litigation and government never goes outside looking for funding. So so we've already seen a pattern of misinformation around this matter and so what the president was cautioning about was not necessarily completely out of place or, or impossible. okay, we're done. Okay. everybody here looks happy. Hmm? and it's almost lunch time. so Tabo, how are you? Oh good good to see you. Okay, colleagues, thank you so much. Thank- we're done. We're buying lunch. No Oh,
1: buying lunch. He can send us some. I'll, I'll make sure that he sends us a delivery. That's Vincent Maguena as the president's spokesperson. We just caught the tail end of that. So I didn't hear the entire context of it. Um, but I, I suspect, of course, he was being asked about the president's comments uh, about, um, he said, we are aware there will be a systemic fight back campaign. And I say this, that we are aware of it. There will no doubt be, uh, be those forces that will do anything in their power to prevent South Africa from concluding their case on the merits of the matter. So uh, that's what President Ramaphosa said about the ICJ case and there has been a lot of commentary about this because I think it's dangerous I know that a lot of other people have said it's dangerous because um, they are effectively saying that if they don't do well in the elections, the ANC um, then this is going to be the the argument against it, is that this is foreign forces working against the South African government uh, for regime change because of the ICJ um, uh, case and I do think that That's very, very dangerous indeed.
0: 7.02. The Midday Report. Monday to Friday. 12 to 1 p.m.
1: So speaking of the elections and what's actually going to happen in the elections, we want to drill down now and have a look at this and whether or not uh, issues around the youth, around young people in South Africa, uh, are going to uh, be a big issue when it comes to this election. That's something that is very topical at the moment about whether or not youth unemployment specifically is going to be a priority. Uh, So the advocacy campaign Youth Capital and uh, Youth Activists are speaking to representatives of the ANC, the DA, the ACDP, Rise Mzansi, Freedom Front Plus, the Patriotic Alliance. They're having an online discussion about youth policies ahead of the 2024 elections. Let's find out about this with Crystal Duncan-Williams, who's the project lead at Youth Capital. Crystal, good afternoon to you. Youth unemployment is a massive issue in South Africa. We know that two-thirds of people, I think, between the ages of 18 and 25 are unemployed. Uh, in in South Africa how do you hope this will be addressed in the upcoming elections
10: Thanks Mandy yeah we really are hoping that the political parties in their manifestos and in their campaigning are going to acknowledge the complexity of the youth unemployment crisis you know too often it gets simplified into it's a skills mismatch Or, you know, we just need to get uh, small businesses to hire young people or young people just need to be entrepreneurs. And, you know, this is a complex uh, systemic problem that results in young people being able to access the labor market. And I've yet to find a political party that really understands the nuances and the complexities there on both the supply side and the demand side. Um, You know, parties that acknowledge that there are macroeconomic things that need to change. For example, you know, you were just talking about Metro Rail again, Um, you know, we need We need a public transport system that works. We need infrastructure that works. Um, And, you know, business and the economy can't grow. And if the economy can't grow, there can't be jobs created for young people. But at the same time, you know, we aren't equipping young people for the world of work and and young people lack the money to go and look for work. We we know from our research that it costs young people in the region of a thousand rand a month to look for work. Um, And and even when they go out and they look for work, they don't know where to look because they don't have the social networks um, that tell them where opportunities exist. And so this is a really complex problem. And so we really want to hear from from parties that are campaigning in the lead-up to this national election, how are you centering young people in your manifestos, in your policy stances and and do you really understand those complexities that young people face?
1: On the converse though, we also have the issue with uh, apathy amongst young people mm. going out to vote and many young people don't even want to bother to to register to vote and I'm not speaking just anecdotally, I'm saying that's what mm. we're seeing from, um, mm. from from previous elections as well. Uh, so, so do you think that by parties placing this issue on the agenda it will encourage more people to to actually vote.
10: That would be our hope. We know um, from our engagements with young people, you know, it's really that young people have become disillusioned, um, not just nationally but globally with political institutions and young people have said, well, you know, the government doesn't do anything for me. I'm going to go out and do it a different way. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to create uh, NGOs in my community that solve my problems and I'm not going to bother to engage with the government. And so through our our series, Yes or No, and this morning we hosted the first conversation, um, we're really hoping we, we can create a space where young people can engage with these, with these um, political parties, and to say, why should we vote for you? Why should we bother? You know, um, what are you going to do for me? And and I think what is important here is we always make a big hoo ha ahead of of a moment where we can have policy influence. But once the policy goes through, once the election goes through, are we going to keep the pressure on and say, well, you said in your manifesto that you were going to do X, Y, and Z? Um, and you have so many seats in Parliament, and what decisions are you making um, using those seats that support what you said pre elections And I think that's really important. And we're, as you've saying to young people, it's not just about making your vote, but it's about continued accountability um, post-elections and how we can work together there to put pressure on government. Because I think South Africa generally um, falls flat with that accountability part, you know, that comes after we, we, we make our mark at the voting stations.
1: Crystal, thank you so much uh, for that and for keeping this on the agenda. Crystal Duncan-Williams is project lead at Youth Capital. Just focusing the attention there on whether youth unemployment will be a critical issue going into these elections and it absolutely should be.
0: 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk.
1: Well speaking of the youth and uh, the economic uh, sphere uh, yesterday the South African Youth Economic Council Business Dialogue was held on the margins uh, of the mining in Darba underway in Cape Town. The Deputy President Paul Mashatile uh, delivering a keynote address the business dialogue being held, held under the theme of growing investments in the South African mining industry repositioning South Africa as a global destination for critical minerals. kinda, Mudzana is the president of the SA Youth Economic Council? Kinda, of, kinda. Of good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Great to have you with us today. Uh, tell us about what is being discussed there and what's on the agenda.
9: Good afternoon, Mindy and good afternoon to your listeners as well. And thank you so much for inviting us. Uh, as a council, when we had the privilege of attending the mining in Dava at uh, our first occasion three years ago, we realized that the space was highly, highly um, dominated by uh, white old males, as well as um, um, black males. And we thought that mining is a sector that is largely contributing to our economy. And we've got to make sure that young people, as well as women, have a voice as to how should they play a role in the sector, which is why we then took a decision to Uh, create the mining and our business dialogue where we invite investors and government to come through and listen to young people who are already in the mining space either as contract miners, either as uh, young people who hold mining rights and are looking for potential investors because we are of the fundamental belief that uh, for mining to grow uh, and to also play a critical role in the future Uh, Those who are already in the space must create a room and opportunities for young people that have a deep interest in taking part in the sphere. So the business dialogue is exactly a platform that serves that role and creates the necessary space for interaction between government leaders, business leaders in the mining sector as well as emerging players in the sector as well.
1: Having the Deputy President there, of course, uh, must have been quite a a coup as well. How do you ensure that this doesn't become an an echo chamber of voices, but rather that that this platform does feed into the the mining in Darba and that the the, the right people are hearing these
9: voices? So one of the key takeaways actually, so last year we hosted Minister Mantasha, the minister Uh, of the department of mineral resources and energy and this year we hosted um, the department as well but the deputy president was also there on behalf of government and our key takeaway is that we we are proud that as a result of our efforts uh, the council for geosciences in collaboration with the idc have announced a 500 million rand exploration fund for emerging players in the mining space so those are some of the victories that have been able to come out of our platform And we are encouraging young people, uh, particularly those who come from mining provinces who have either mining permits or prospecting rights to actually take part in this uh, platform that we've just created with the CGS and the IDC because uh, mining is a very capital-intensive space. Exploration itself is capital-intensive and we do think that young people who have already Um, made a compromise financially to be part of the sector must be supported. So they must take advantage of such facilities.
1: Kanakana, thank you very much for your time. Kanakana Mudzanani is the president of the SA Youth Economic Council speaking to us there about the business dialogue underway and making the point there that there needs to be a diversity of of voices um, and from government. So you've got the ministers, you've got the CEOs, the decision makers, but also the array of young people who are involved in the mining sector too.
0: What's up,
3: Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Mandy, um, the Nigerians, if they win, they can run naked in the streets. There's not going to be any, anything happening to them. Mandy, uh, we love football, but we don't take it that, that, that serious. We cannot cause a riot because of football. So when they win they can celebrate as much as they want. We're not going to have a problem with
5: it. Tabo here, Proteat Lane.
9: You know, Mandy, sometimes we as South Africans are not um, honest about ourselves. Um, We we know what some of our brothers and sisters are capable of. So um, Clement made a good point earlier on. He made an example with racism. You know, um, certain people, when you bring up racism, they... They they write it off like get over it and so and such. So, um, regarding what Nigerians have have been through um, from by South African hands, you can't really blame them for for doing something like this. It is a bit extreme and um, it is a bit exaggerated. But at the end of the day, we can't really blame them. Hi, Mandy, uh, Mokete here in
7: Parktown. Uh, with regards to the Nigerians issuing a statement with regard to South Africa. Quick one, in England, uh, every time they go to play UEFA, Europa or any big matches, they are accompanied by their police officials because if you don't know the Brits, they are too loud, they are too loud. And if you don't know, you'll get them arrested because you don't understand what, where they're coming from, the supporters. chess.
0: What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi, Mandy. Um,
4: the the statement was poorly worded because we have very uneducated officials running the Nigerian you know, High Commission here in South Africa, um, they could have worded that, that communicate differently, um, understanding what the implications or consequences would be for, and not really diplomatic relations, but uh, it's
5: just poorly worded. And I'm glad uh, Clayton you know, addressed it. Hopefully they hear. Uh, good day, My question is, will the Minister of International Relations call the Nigerian ambassador to account because some ambassadors were called to account for their transition. Thanks, David.
1: Thank you very much for all of your views. Tons and tons of voice notes coming in about that. I'm sure this will continue to be a conversation uh, well into this evening. Let's give you a quick update on the weather because the weather service is saying that there is a heat wave in some parts of the country. Gauteng, specifically areas reaching as high as 37 degrees. Elizabeth Fulion, weather service forecaster, joining us. Elizabeth, uh, what's causing this and how long do we expect it to hang around for? Hi, Mandy. Yes, so we do
8: have a heat wave. Um, What it is caused by is what we call in the upper and mid levels of the atmosphere is a high pressure. And what that basically does is high pressure is sinking air. So we've got all this sinking air and it's heating up as it's sinking. And this this high pressure is then like trapping that air in there. So that's resulting in this continual high temperatures over, especially the northeastern parts of the country. So what a heat wave then is, is when you have consecutive days of this warm temperature. So we need a minimum of three consecutive days with hot temperatures. So here in Hatting, this started yesterday, and it is set to continue until tomorrow. So it's yesterday, today, tomorrow. Luckily, we do have a bit of a relief coming, and that will start tomorrow evening when we do see a possibility of some thunderstorms moving in. Better chances are coming on Friday, and that's going to reduce our temperatures then on Friday. So we're looking at the mid-30s today and tomorrow in Johannesburg. Tomorrow around 28, 27 on Saturday, but Sunday is actually going to be nice and cool. We're only expecting a high of... 22 degrees in Johannesburg on Sunday. So that is good news, quite a bit of relief coming for us, especially towards the end of the weekend. In Cape Town, a bit of different weather happening over there. We've got weak, cold fronts that are just brushing along the coastline. So one moving through today is not very strong, causing a little bit of rain, nothing major, nothing to be concerned about. High around 24 degrees, 25 degrees is tomorrow. No rainfall is expected in the mother city tomorrow. A better chance once again on Friday. But then, in contrary, we see we've got that cooling coming our way in Gauteng on Sunday. In Cape Town on Sunday, it's going to be quite a bit warmer. Maximum temperature of 29 degrees is expected in Cape Town on Sunday.
1: Elizabeth, thank you so much. Elizabeth Fulion, SA Weather Service forecaster, explaining that uh, hot weather, the heat wave moving through Gauteng.
0: The Midday Report.
1: Well, thank you very much for joining us. Tomorrow, we are going to be broadcasting live from outside the City Hall on the Grand Parade in Cape Town, ahead of the State of the Nation address tomorrow night. You'll catch us live uh, from the Grand Parade. And then, of course, uh, Clement Magnatella and myself will be doing a special broadcast tomorrow night from 6 until 10 uh, to bring you the State of the Nation address. So make sure that you put that in your diary and good luck, Bafana Bafana, tonight. It's doing it.